This is It Takes Two. Amy Eiler, JJ Gordon here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. And in the studio with us is Christy Wilkie, a therapist from Dakota Family Services here in Fargo. She joins us once a month for peace of mind. Hi, Christy. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for this being is, here. This is the best day of the month, I think, for me. Oh, I mean, good. even if you're making that up, I'll take that. I'm, I'm really 1, not. 1,000%. I was thinking about that on my way here today. I was like, I just love to be able to come out here. That's awesome. I know. I love that. Chris, you guys are always happy to see me. Or at least you pretend to, and I like that. Can I debunk, like, ask a question that I know about therapy, but only from, like, movies and television shows? Yeah. Why is it constantly depicted as having, like, a couch <laughs> that you lay down on and then not you don't face... The therapist is that that's not how it really goes is no it? no not at all i think that's okay. very freudian that's like very mm. old school. but i think when you're looking at like a stereotype like i do have a couch in my office but i also have an art desk and two chairs and a lot of people just kind of pace around and wherever they're comfortable i don't really care where i've got a stool that you can sit on wherever they're com- sometimes kids want to sit in my chair i'm like that's fine you cool. sit, you sit wherever <laughs> you want. whatever it's going to make this experience for you that's great if you need to pace you can pace like Absolutely. whatever i saw something recently where they were talking about how the show that got therapy right the the most is monk Oh, sure. And talking about how, like, you know, th- this is the relationship you can share with your therapist because it also talks about putting boundaries together between you and your therapist. And I was like, huh, well, I mean, that's good. I mean, I watched the show Monk five times. And I'm like, I never need to watch it again because he <laughs> does the same thing every single episode. Right. But- yeah. I, it's, I, I think it's just it's, you know, it's stereotypically people have an idea of what what therapy is. And it's typically what's what society has deemed well this is this is what we know it is and it's like not that <laughs> so <laughs> let me let me talk to you about that first visit that somebody has right sure. because that goes hand in hand with it we all have this idea of what therapy is going to be like so what is, what are some questions that someone should expect on a first day on a first on an, on an intake right well and I, I think the, the big thing for me is that everybody's so anxious to come into therapy that immediately what I want to do is just put you at ease like I want you to know this is a safe place for you to be I go through confidentiality like I this this is for you I'm working for you so what do you want to get out of it like what what is it that you want to see improvement on what is it that you don't want to feel anymore like what is the goal for you because your goal is my goal <laughs> so I want to know that um, a lot of it too is just kind of the first the first session is a lot of information gathering kind of um, when did symptoms start because that is important for us for diagnosing is a lot of timelines has it been you know prevalent their whole lives is is it does it exist in the family a lot of um, mental health stuff is genetic um, we talk about any sort of traumas or like major incidences that happen just to kind of get you know the basics and um, and then come up with a plan and a goal and, and go from there but um, First and foremost, like I, it's not like you, you come in, you sit down, and it's just like this barrage of questions that just are like, we don't want you to feel like you're being interrogated. Right. <laughs> That's not a cool feeling when we're trying to like help mental health. <laughs> so we try to make it as, as um, laid back and um, relaxed as possible while trying to get the information so we can know how to best help you. I love this question in our text club, and you see a lot of kiddos, so maybe you can answer it from that perspective or, or an adult perspective perspective someone said i'd like to know just how detrimental social media is to our mental health or more so for our children um i i can't even tell you how many hours of my day i talk about social media um it is and granted i'm i'm in i'm a therapist right so the stuff that i see is is typically stuff that's causing people distress but there is a lot of stuff out there that people just aren't really aware of i mean snapchat is 
it's 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 one of those things where like when when you and I were in school and we didn't get invited to a party, like you didn't get invited to it, but you didn't have to watch it play out in front of you. And now like you don't get invited to something or you see you check your snap maps and everybody's at a certain place and then you're not there. It's like, well, why is this person there and I wasn't invited? Why? And then you have to watch it all through the stories and whatever kind of go go on right before your eyes. And it's like it just makes you feel like what's going on. And social media in general, I've talked about this for a long time. It's it's a highlight reel. Nobody's posting you know, how they're really feeling or what they're really doing or um, they're posting all of the things that they want people to think about them. But it's easy to get lost, especially in, in adolescents and teenagers, to think that that's really what their life is. Like mm-hmm. everybody else is leading these glorious lives and they're hanging out with their friends and everybody's happy and they all get along. And then, you know, all you sneeze is that snapshot of time. And then you right. don't know what happened before that or after that. I told and Amy also- just the other day that, you know, when we were younger, bullying ended when you left school, mm-hmm. right? And now it's a 24-7, seven days a week. It is. They can reach right into your bedroom. It is amazing to me how many more touch points kids have today through things like social media and even texting. It's right? scary. Just texting. I don't, I don't know what, but they don't text. They're on Snapchat. That's how kids are communicating, right? I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's my understanding. I'd that's say by my... and large, by and large, it's Snapchat. And there's like right. a whole unwritten yes rules Rule that book. happen with yep. snapchat like yep. a half a face or not a half a face or a black screen or not black screen or you mm-hmm. you know it's like or it's, red or not mean, red and yeah, left red or, unread yeah. and then oh, yes. they left me undelivered they blocked yes. me i mean it's all and then they unblock you it's kind of this back and forth kind of way of saying we're not friends anymore but now we're friends again you know but it's it you're right it's bullying is 24 7 and when you're the one being bullied it feels like it's never going to end typically you know some of those they kind of run its course and it goes away but when you send something on Snapchat, someone can screenshot it and then it is saved forever. And then someone can take that screenshot and add it to their story. So kids don't really understand that whole concept a lot of the time is that you might send it to your best friend. They could send it in there. All of a sudden you get into a fight with this person you sent something to that you really trusted. And then all of a sudden they're using that against you. And it, and you know, what's interesting is that I've I've been talking to a lot of friends who are parents about Snapchat lately for whatever reason. This has come up a lot. And the hard part is is that when these kids aren't on Snapchat, then there's all these it, there's the same pressures of being on Snapchat because you're the one that's not on Snapchat. Right. So how do you communicate with your friends? They don't know how to communicate with their friends unless they're on Snapchat. And so they need Snapchat on their phone to communicate with their friends. So that's that line you walk between letting them have that communication that they want to grow these relationships. But then also it can be dangerous if they do have it. So how do you uh, how do you it figure is, out what to do? It, it is a line. And I think, you know, you, you sit down with your with your kids and you talk to them about, you know, who who's on there. Parents should be involved. They should know who's on their who, who's on their snap friends because they have the quick ad on Snapchat. And kids will just like they just add people, you know, but they should they should be able to go through and um, see who's on there. Who are you talking to? Just even check ins to be like, hey, what are you doing? Even if it's, you know, minute, maybe minimizing the amount of time, depending on the age. Um, and I always there are parents know their kids the best um and they know what they can handle and not handle and um as long as they keep the line i'd say communication is always the most important thing to me all of the time with adolescents especially talk to them about what's going on if you notice something that's odd about your teenager 
it could be that there's something going on in social media or something going on in school and ask, hey, you seem a little withdrawn. What's up with that? Let me ask you a question, and I didn't tell you I was going to even get close to this, but I'm just (laughs) thinking about it now, especially as we're getting closer to Valentine's Day. But we feel major emotions in our teens, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I remember my high school girlfriend being like, this is a girl I'm going to be with for the rest of my life, and I love her so much. And and (laughs) I was figuring out what love was to someone outside of my family, right? Right. How do you talk to kids about the difference between love and infatuation and heartbreak? You know, because you see, it seems like it's the end of your world if someone breaks up with you. But it's also not great to tell them, like, well, you know, there's a lot of fish in the sea and <laughs> right. don't worry about that. Right. And in this day and age, everybody knows instantly when Brandon and Brooke are no longer together. Yeah. It, how do you even start that conversation with the teen? I, th- I think the most important thing is that you you have to validate emotions. I think it, as as parents, a lot of times they just want the hurt in their kids to stop. Like that's what they want. Just be like, get over it. Lots of fish in the sea. Like you're great. You know, and that's and that's good. I mean, it's, that's positive messaging. But at the same time, it's like your kid's not feeling that right now. Like they're feeling confused and hurt. And and to validate that and be like, that is tough. Like it is hard to go through some of those things instead of trying to just push them past it. To just like meet them in it and be like, yeah, this is so what are we going to do from here? What are the next steps to help you through this? How can I help you? How can I help distract you from this? Or, you know, I just want you and again, I want you to the communication is open. If there's something that's really bothering you or you're feeling really sad, like I want to hear about that instead of just kind of trying to sweep it under the rug. Because I think in general, especially in North Dakota with emotions, we kind of suck at them. <laughs> you know, yeah. we do. Yeah. And you just kind of suck at it. And so it's like to even role model to your kids that it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to, to not be super okay. And instead of just, cause the, the more you kind of push them to feel better, the more that they're going to shove stuff inside. And then you don't know what's going on when they're not mm-hmm. talking about it. And that's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. I mean, meeting them where they're at all the time and it's just a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to use it with my kids. Like when I want them to transition from doing one thing to the next thing, you're supposed to like meet them in that thing start playing the game that you want them to stop so you know imagine you're playing a game on your phone and I walk over to you JJ and I'm like you're done time's <laughs> up and he's like no like that is instant anger so instead I should like look over at JJ's shoulder and look at the game he's playing and be like oh that's really fun okay so like when you're done here is this a good time to stop can we just pause for a little bit like meeting them in that moment mm-hmm. and it's so hard to do as adults because we know that there are bigger fish to fry we know that but their life is so much smaller than ours they're not thinking about the bills they have to pay or all of that they're not looking they're not thinking five hours ahead of now they're thinking right now all the time yeah and and especially what you just said essentially is that you're putting the power back into the in control and back with the kids which is really where it should be otherwise you get into a power struggle you're like do you think this is a good time to stop and then they can say yes and it's like oh cool instead of like imposing your will onto somebody Mm -hmm. you're kind of making them be a part of the process and that works I mean, I mean and there are a lot of kids that do respond to just normal okay guys it's time to stop let's go and like, then some kids are like yep yep not mine yeah, and then yeah and then some kids are like <laughs> no that doesn't work and so it it really does depend on on the kind of kid you have and 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 what they can and can't do and I think that that's the trick is like we just assume that that they should be able to do everything that we think they should be able to do and they can't mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of the times they can't so how do you adjust how you're parenting to help them be successful, to help you be successful. So you don't have to manage all the followed on the backside. <laughs> this, um, I mean, this question is similar, I guess, to the social media one. How dangerous is TikTok for youth? 
I've seen a couple of documentaries about young girls getting caught up in the instant glamour. Yeah, I think that that really is a thing. <laughs> we, we were talking about this the other day where everybody kind of thinks that you can be TikTok famous now. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. but I still want people to like go in to be doctors. Like I still want people to be able to do that. Um, but I, you know, I think it's, it seems so accessible. But even if you look at TikTok, there's like millions of users on TikTok. And of those millions of users, it's still a very small percentage that get a following that's big enough to be, you know, a moneymaker, I guess, right. so to speak. And so I think part of it is, is understanding that that it's 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 no different than being a famous actor or a famous whatever it just seems so much more accessible because it's everyday people that are becoming famous mm-hmm. and so they look at that but um there i could talk about tiktok for like a really long time because well, there's a lot of good stuff on tiktok and i think the the difference is a snapchat is social media right you're trying mm-hmm. to connect with other people in a way it's got messaging features that people use and they use it like a facebook was in 2005 versus tiktok is you put that out there and certainly like you link to your friends and you share their things, but an anonymous person can follow you, right? You Absolutely, know, so yeah. it, it's almost like having a YouTube channel to that respect where you're putting this out there in the world and you want your friends to consume it, but there are strangers who are consuming. That's what makes me feel really uncomfortable about TikTok is that yeah. you're putting it out there and everybody has access well, to and it. And people can slide into your DMs on TikTok too. I mean, and mm-hmm. friends will message back and forth on TikTok. <laughs> I've got some people that come in and then they're like, I'm going on a date. Like, Where'd you meet them? On TikTok. I'm like, how is that happening? But it is happening. If I'm it's... just looking for recipes. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same. Right? I just want misheard quotes or, you know, misheard right. lyrics. Like, I just want to <laughs> laugh, whatever. But it's, yeah, it, there's all sorts of things with that. I mean, the, the good, some of the good things that have come from TikTok is that people will scroll and they're like, I, a lot of those symptoms match what, what I have. Like maybe it's not weird that I have ADHD or maybe it's not, maybe I am feeling anxious. Maybe this is a problem. And then yeah. From the mental health perspective, yeah. I do think that TikTok, I mean, it's gone too far sometimes Agreed, where it's yeah. like, it's okay. You don't have to self-diagnose yourself with right. me- every mental health disorder, but opening your eyes to the fact that it's okay to not be okay sometimes. I feel like it has done that and it has identified some of these symptoms of, especially ADHD. ADHD is the one that's skyrocketed because of TikTok, I feel like. Well, yeah, and because it goes so undiagnosed specifically in women for a long time that I think women are finally like, oh, I can have all of these things without the hyperactive part and it's still like not great for me. You know, but I we do have people that come in. They're like, I was just scrolling TikTok. I saw these things. I just thought I should come in and get assessed. And that's that's the key. Like if you see something that like resonates with you and you're like, maybe this maybe I have this like go in and get assessed by a professional. Mm-hmm. Do a diagnostic assessment. Maybe like, you know, you do have an attention issue, but it's not clinical. You know, what can we do to help you like, you know, shape your life in a, in a way that's different? Or it's like, oh, my gosh, you have been living with, with significant attention issues for your whole life. Let's figure out how to help you with that. Yeah. You know? I had I had a friend who was like, yeah, I'm going to go in. Her mom was like, you you have to. Like, you're a fully grown adult, but I know you have ADHD. You have to go in and get assessed. So she did. And she's like, okay, so what are you going to do for me? They're like, nothing. You found really good coping mechanisms. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> And that's, that's something not was, cool. Wait, hold on. I thought I was going to get something out of this. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, an ADHD is one of those ones where if, if you live your whole life with it and you've, you've probably learned how to deal with a lot of the stuff that you have. Quit looking at me. Not, this, is, this is completely anonymous. I'm, I'll never forget what I told Christy. I was like, yeah, no, I went totally decaf. She's like, yeah, you should start 
drinking caffeine again. I was like, wait, why? And she's like, well, it's just, it's probably good for you. Like ADHD people do better when they're on. I'm like, what? 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 Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. <sighs> okay. But anyway, so yeah, if you're, and I love that description you gave me last time we were talking about it, which was like a lot of people say like, oh, I need coffee to get going. Yeah. You're like, no, it's actually just. Just you have wake, ADHD. It's waking, waking your brain up a little bit. Yeah, it's waking. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's balancing everything out in there. Mm-hmm. Those all those chemicals mm-hmm. in your brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Christy. I was gonna say your whole name. Just Christy Wilkie is enough. Yeah. Middle name not needed. While M- you're middle on name, maiden name. You can use all four of my names. I don't care. That's what I was know? gonna do. Yeah, Christy Wilkie, Dakota Family Services therapist, has been with us here on KFGO. Uh, this follow-up someone said i feel there is a link to social media and increasing violence in the country today because of the last lack of human contact that's a whole nother road that is i'm gonna jot that one down though because we could talk about that okay we'll talk about that we'll we'll leave that on our list um if people want to get a hold of dakota family services for that assessment or otherwise how should they do that 701-364-2950 or i think we're just dakotaranch.org and you can get to dakota family services through there because it's not just Fargo, but you have offices in Bismarck and in Minot, and you do telehealth. Things, telehealth, yeah. Yep. So, an option for anyone who's listening. Thanks, Christy. Thank you.